I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, we are coming to you. We sound different, probably, hopefully. A little um, tinny. A little tinny, a little not like we're sitting in our lovely offices in West L.A. Instead, we are sitting in a elevator lobby at... What? I'm being... No, it's, it was very accurate. I just didn't think you were going to say elevator lobby. Yeah, that's where we are. caught me off guard. Well, it's true. I just... You almost spit tape. I went the other way with it. I thought you were going to be like, we're at the Langham The Hotel beautiful Langham... The, the beautiful elevator lobby, lobby yes. at the <laughs> Langham Hotel in Pasadena. You start at the bottom and then we're going to work up. And then I start at the top and was going to work down. Yeah. But uh, we, we found one of the few quiet spaces here at the TCA uh, Television Critics Association Press Tour, uh, which officially kicked off as of today when we were recording this. Uh, today's Thursday. Friday, we are looking forward at set, to set visits uh, around town that are going to be very chaotic and thus not conducive to podcast recording. I mean, we considered doing one over the phone where Liz and I were just on speakerphone in our independent cars, like driving around to different spots, but... That seemed a little difficult to edit, so we decided against it. Exactly. Um, though it could be, that could be fun someday. And, um, someday, when we have interns. When we have interns. Um, so we're, that's, t- that's tomorrow, that's Friday. Uh, Saturday will be a day packed full of Hulu programming, uh, and that's actually a day we're really excited about, so uh, we are not, we decided not to record then, and then Sunday is the Golden Globes, and that was screwed, and then we, Monday, we have to post this thing, so that's why we're talking to you on a Thursday. I'm, I hope you appreciated that thorough breakdown of our schedule. (laughs) Very long explanation for a one-day early recording that will largely not affect anything we say on the podcast. But the most important thing is that, you know, we are now in TCAville, which is, um, if you, if you follow a lot of television critics, I, I, I apologize, um. If you've been listening to us long enough, yeah. and you're aware of the TCAs, because we're approaching, what, 100 episodes, Liz? We are approaching 100 episodes. Damn, 100, 100 episodes. episodes. Yeah. That's, that's something. What would be a good way to celebrate that? I mean, we, we, we've got only, we've got like, it's 2017 now. We've only got limited weeks. I believe this is episode 94. I mean, what what are the like t- traditional this, ways to celebrate something? What do you typically do? Well, like, think birthdays. Like, what's a, yeah, th- like, birthday blank. Like, what's a... Send me a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. That'd be fine. With a cake. With a cake. Yes. Or on a cake. Or in a cake. Or what if what if it had a picture of Johnny Walker Blue on the cake? Only if it had a picture of Johnny Walker, and then if you like dug in with your knife, you hit something hard, and there was a bottle baked into the cake. That is a very advanced baking request. We will also accept red velvet. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we wanted to take this opportunity. Uh, it's it's always interesting at the beginning of press tour because. You know, we still have energy. We're still really excited about learning about every show that's coming up. And it's actually, it is, it still really has a function. And people have been talking a lot recently about does TCA still, do TCA still have value? Should they still be twice a year? Um, and yes. Yet, <laughs> yes and yes. Yes. Well, I think the thing, the thing that was interesting, I was, I was talking to a friend and um, an ABC show that's coming up soon uh, came up called When We Rise. And uh, the thing with When We Rise is, you know, she, she's, she's queer, she's very interested in queer issues and queer events, but she 
had no idea the show was coming out, uh, created by Dustin Lance Black, who got, won an Academy Award for writing Milk, um, directed by people including Gus Van Sant and Dee Reese. This is a show that's right up her alley with an amazing cast attached, and she had never heard of it. So, um, it, but like that's the thing. This, that show is coming to TCA's next week, um, week a month ahead or so of its uh, eventual premiere. And over the next, in, during that event, we're going to get to hear, learn all about the show. And over a hundred journalists are going to write something about it. Is Gus going to be here? Gus is not going to be here, but Dustin is. Eh. Yeah. The idea of, of Gus Van Sant doing a broadcast television series is quite interesting to me. Where does it rank as it with it with the idea of Tarson doing a broadcast television series? Far more interesting to me. Really? Yes. Why is that? Um, because Gus is is a Oscar nominee and and like very well respected and legendary filmmaker, mm-hmm. whereas Tarson Singh has made a couple of movies. But they're beautiful movies. They're pretty. Benjamin. It's not the same. Eh. It's never going to be the same. This eh. is a. This is. A pretty big deal. I'd much rather see him doing, you know, an HBO drama, but we'll take what we can get. Yeah, I mean, this project sounds really interesting. Uh, so, looking forward to learning more about that. I think, I mean, then, what do you think? Like, is the biggest thing you're going to get out of this particular press tour? Um, aside from what you were talking about, because that is that has a huge value to it, especially nowadays when, as we keep going over, there's so much TV. Like, there's just too much TV. Too much TV. Um, you need a briefing. You need something that really kind of forces you to address everything that's coming out um, and kind of, you know, gauge priority-wise. If you, I mean, they, they are kind enough to give us a lot of screeners in advance. That way we can kind of it is, to ourselves. It is a good instigator for screener Christmas, which usually takes place a week or so before Christmas, and then Christmas break becomes all about screeners. It always throws me into a tizzy because I have to prioritize things. I'm still reviewing stuff because stuff is still coming out during the TCAs. Yeah. So you have to do that first. Then you've got the ones that you actually need to cover for you know your publication. Uh, so you have to watch those. And then, of course, you have your favorites. Hopefully those cross over somehow. Mm-hmm. But I still haven't watched the Americans premiere, and I still haven't watched The Path. That's how busy it's been. It's just killing me. Yeah. Um, You're going to be like up all night tomorrow watching The Path, I bet. I am undoubtedly going to be doing that, yes. Right. And I will love every second of it, I hope. Um, but no, I mean, I think the, the thing that I'm going to get the most out of the TCAs this year is directly related to that. It's just more of the surprises. Um, kind of like you mentioned, these shows that we don't know about, it's great to become aware of them. Um, and it's great to kind of just be in the room, you know, to hear them discussed and kind of hear how they want them to be discussed because that's an angle that you usually, you know, have to fight against or accept or, you know, come to terms with when you're actually judging the show for what it is. Um, But more so, it's those little surprises that come up when you get the trailers, when you get the episodes, when you hear the people in the interviews, when you get them one-on-one and you get to sit them down and look at them in the eye and talk to them about the project and make them answer the questions that you want answered. You get a lot out of that experience. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, nine times out of ten, to the benefit of the series itself. Because if we're asking those questions, we're already interested in it. If the show is, you know, you know, relevant enough because of either its quality or its or the subject matter or the people behind it, um, then you are gonna be there asking those questions and then when you get those answers, whether they're good or bad, it's gonna tell you something about that show and it's gonna drive more conversation towards it. And and that's pretty much what we need to do here. We need to be 
curators, as we always are, of what people need to be paying attention to, and then we also need to report on the news that actually comes out of this, because, I mean, there's very few opportunities where this many television creators are put in the same room at the same time. Yeah, and I feel like there's definite energy that builds and creates stories that are not just about, like, a show, but about the culture of television as we know it, and, like, out of last tour, we got a really interesting discussion going about diversity. And had multiple different multiple executives having to take that topic on head on, if not because they had prepared for that topic, but because the critics asked and asked them hard. Um, I feel like I feel like today's session was kind of like a nice warm up. Um, we got to learn about some of the audience networks fine fine programming. Um, Kingdom. Kingdom. I mean, you uh, you me her. I got to ask a question and I was happy with the answer. Um, and I. Future future networks may not be so smooth. I, I mentioned When We Rise. Um, the thing about that show, and it's starting to really bother me, actually, the more I think about it, just because it's 2017. It was 2016 last year, and that wasn't, you know, too, too much less in the future. And uh, When We Rise features a trans character pretty prominently. That trans character is played by a non-trans actor, which is an issue that trans, trans activists and just general people interested in queer issues in media have been very, you know, vocal about. Like, there are tons of people who are trans who want to also act. Like, that's not an exclusive thing to cisgender people. Um, but they aren't getting the same opportunities because they will cast a, you know, a heteros... A, 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 they will cast a, a cisgender woman as a trans, as a trans woman. Right, and it, I mean, on that level, it still largely comes down to a lot of X factors. A yeah. lot of, you know, first of all, who's better for the role, who can yeah. actually portray it, who's actually the best actor, but also, you know, when it's a broadcast show, when it's something that's designed to make money, that's a business endeavor, they're going to take a name over a non-name. But it's, it's not a non-name. Which is it's, it's not. It's not, a, it's not a name. And again, I'm not saying that this specific yeah. example is the right course of action, nor an excuse for not doing that, but the dangers that a lot of uh, the trans community have cited in casting mm -hmm. uh, non-trans actors and trans parts is one of the more interesting arguments and one that'll make uh, that'll certainly surface by the time this comes out, if not during the TCA. Yeah, that's my my point is that both the actress playing this character and Dustin Lance Black will be on a stage in a couple of days, and we will have microphones and we will be able to say, "What up?" It's very interesting to think about, you know, probably two years ago even, if there was a show coming out on ABC with a trans character written, and does Black direct the episode too, or do you just write? He directs, I think, two episodes. So, written and directed by a, a gay, an, an out and proud gay man. Right. Um, you, we'd be pretty happy. I don't think we'd be asking a lot of these questions. Yeah. So, the conversation that kind of starts up and gains prominence because of television, which, I mean, at least for us, it's because of television. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it makes it more widely accessible to a lot of people because of television, because of who's involved with these conversations. You get to at least hear them and analyze them for yourself, judge their merits and move forward as you will. Um, but that's part of the big deal about in, about the TCAs as well. Like it's just, it's about time that people faced up to questions. Like you need to ask hard questions and you need to be able to answer hard questions and that's kind of the way the world's turning because of how much access is out there anyway. So for people to think that that's less important now, it just seems a little crazy to me. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's, uh, I think, it's actually something that comes up in the internal discussions within the TCA organization, of which Ben and I are both members, is the idea that, you know, you know, sometimes you'll be sitting, it, it, the way it works is you sit, if you aren't aware, is we all sit in a ballroom with our computers and the people sit on a stage and we have my, we get, we get handed microphones by people running around from the networks and we ask questions. And the thing is, is like, if you get maybe like, let's say five to 10 questions a session, that's, that's a very low estimate. I think it can get to be more. Depends on how talkative the panel is. That is definitely true. Um, in the thing, the thing that happens with that is sometimes those sometimes a person will get a journalist will take a microphone and they will ask a question that other people think is stupid or sure. offensive, yeah. and so there's an internal push within the organization. Like if you are a member of TCA, if you are, if you've been accredited, if you have been asked, if you have earned the right to be here, you have almost a responsibility to ask good questions. And if you don't like the questions being asked, you don't complain. You get a mic and ask the better question yourself. And the uh, the other side of it, well, not the other side of it, but another aspect to it, and one that I enjoy, let's say, <laughs> I'd probably take advantage of this side more than the other, uh, is if you don't want to ask a question to a group or in front of a group or if it's too specific for that, there's multiple opportunities to be able to ask it directly. Like, mm -hmm. there is, they, they have... They have, first of all, as soon as the panel ends, usually there is what is what we refer to as a scrum, yeah. in which you can just go up on stage for about five minutes, five or ten minutes, and kind of talk to whoever you want to talk to about whatever you want to talk to instead of announcing it to the room. Um, usually whoever's coming for the panels is also available for one-on-one -on -one interviews that day or around that day that you can take advantage of as well. And then finally, there's parties. Like, there's so many parties. We've got, we're, there's literally a party going on right now downstairs yes. with all the DirecTV crew are sitting and talking to press and just mingling, and you can have kind of whatever conversation you want to have there as well. There's going to be a breakfast tomorrow with all the CBS stars that we get to go to and just kind of mingle with them. I mean, there's there's opportunities to ask the questions you want asked and to kind of get a better perspective on whatever you need to have a perspective on heading into these next six months. Right. And the importance of having two of these a year is because if you look at a lot of like 2017 previews for TV setting aside the basic structure of how broadcast, you know, and, and a lot of networks kind of run their year. Um, if you just look at those previews, they are pretty heavily weighted towards stuff that is coming out in the next six months because that's what we know for sure is coming out. Yeah, we so just... you need to be able to talk to those people and they need to be able to talk to us. They need to be able to present this to us. So we need to do this again in six months because the later half of the year we'll have a whole new batch of stuff that we didn't know was coming. God, I'm trying to think of what shows from twenty from 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 20, 2016 were kind of kind of took us by surprise in the fall. Like, I mean, the OA. The OA. Well, yeah. Well, that <laughs> that doesn't count. That was stupid. Yeah, it was. I mean, the first three were great. No, I mean the release strategy was stupid. I'm still oh, mad about that. Nah, I complained about it last week. I know, but all for it. Yeah, but no. But there's other stuff like. Um, I think I think we like we didn't have a read on how how good this divorce was going to be. True. We we just kind of knew, hey, Sarah Jessica Parker is doing a new show for HBO. We didn't, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't, you know, fallen even more in love with Sharon Horgan thanks to the second season of Catastrophe. We didn't know, we didn't have a full sense of that. Atlanta was another like one where I think we, I think there was a second session at this this year's um, at the, at, the, at at last summer's uh, FX panels. Yeah. Um, but we definitely you know needed that because all we had in January was the pilot and not a lot of 
idea of what to ask. Hey, we also didn't know when the leftovers was coming out. This time last year, I still thought I'd see it <coughs> in October. And instead, I'm waiting until April. Well, you found out last summer, though. I know, at the TCAs. Broke my heart. Yeah, that was a rough day for you. But the breakfast was really good. HBO had a really good breakfast that time. As long as there's eggs, Liz. I know. I know, Ben. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think the value of the TCAs, uh, for as kind of industry-centric as they are, I think it should be evident to just about everybody at this point. I think I think the, the sheer need to have buzz for your show, the right. sheer need for you to be aware that, your, that a show exists is vastly important. And putting it in front of a group of 100 to 150 whatever reporters mm-hmm. who are you know all there for different purposes, all there with different angles in mind, all there with different attractions, all there with different ideas, th- giving them the opportunity to write about your show is, is invaluable. I, I can't push it enough. And for you, the audience, for, for people who are sick of us talking about the TCAs or sick of seeing that random you know, three-letter thing pop up on their head in the headlines or on Twitter or wherever you're getting your news. I mean, for you guys, try to see past just the TCA part and just use it as a filter. Just use it as an opportunity where you're like, okay, we're going to get a lot of news thrown at us over the next two weeks, and this is a great time to kind of get a gauge on what's coming. Like, take advantage of those previews, like we mentioned, but also take advantage of all of this news coming out because you're going to hear a couple things about shows that's going to give you a little bit of a heads up as to what they're going to be like. Yeah, I mean, none of you listening to this, I'm sure, want to be... I mean, you do want to hear about what's new and exciting, but none of you really want like, you know, to add too much more to your viewing docket. But you do want to know about the best thing. So yeah, thinking, thinking of TCA is not as an industry event... Not as an opportunity for journalists to, you know, gloat about how they're getting, they get to be in the same room as Vince Vaughn. It's true. That happened. Yep. That was today. Um, okay. That was us gloating about Go me. Cubs. We are... He didn't get a single Cubs question. Well, you should have asked one. If you don't like the questions, Ben, you got to ask them. I feel like then I would become the person that the other people don't like who's asking the question. They'd be like, why the fuck did he talk about the Cubs today? Like, that's last year's story. And it's... A forever story. So I, yeah, the Cubs, uh, the Cubs will never die. But no, like like Liz was saying, it's it's much more than an opportunity for us to get very nervous when confronted with celebrities and showrunners and people who are writing. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to try to be there for you guys in a very real way and ask the questions you want asked. So yeah. again, if you take advantage of this, right? If you start looking ahead on the schedule, if you figure out what's coming. Feel free to send us questions. Yeah. We'll ask them for you. We don't care. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. It's it, yeah. If you if you have a burning question, I feel like I feel like I, I will pledge to do this. Um, you know, we're le- releasing this podcast on Monday. That means that uh, there is going to be at least ABC, FX, Fox, the cable networks, and uh, cable networks, NBC, uh, NBC Universal, like a lot of stuff actually. Uh, still to come in the in the year. Basically, all you're going to be missing is all 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 that will be missing is the CW and uh, CW and uh, Hulu, which are happening this weekend. So, if you look forward at the at the schedule, if you try to figure out if you can figure out what day certain things are happening, or you can ask us if certain things are happening. FX Thursday, baby. FX Thursday is going to be. You've got, if you got Americans questions, let me know. If you've got a question for Tom Hardy or Chips Hardy, his dad, let me know. Yeah, I, I, I'm officially pledging. I will ask one que- at least one question that is sent to me on Twitter to anyone on that panel, and I will report back the answer. Uh, qualifier. 
for myself, not Liz, as long as that question is appropriate and not sexual. Well, I'm saying I'm because <laughs> if you, I know we're gonna get some questions that are like, talk to me about Tom Hardy's body. Talk to me about those tattoos. I will. Are those tattoos real? I'm just gonna. I just want to ask him questions about cats. Cats. Have you not read the? I made you read the amazing Tom Hardy story about about how when he found a kitten. Oh, that's true. I just so associate him with dogs. No, he of course. He does so much work. And, with and, dogs. and that was that's one of the charming parts of the story. If you search Tom Hardy kitten guys on on the Googles, you will pull up the most amazing thing that Tom Hardy wrote on his old MySpace page. And it is so charming. It is about how he was on a shoot uh, several years ago, and he found a kitten, and he had to take it back to his hotel, and he did not know what to do with this kitten. And when you read Tom Hardy's writing, like his personal blogging, essentially, because um, that's what you find is basically his blog, um, it's amazing. Like, I, I can't wait to hear him talk on this panel. If only because I'm always curious about whether or not Tom Hardy actually knows how to enunciate. Like, I've seen Star Trek Nemesis. I know he is capable of enunciating, but I don't know if, like, he got, like, cattle prodded into doing that, and then he's finally reverted to his natural form of... I mean, he's, he's a classically trained actor. I mean, I think he knows how to enunciate. I think these are all very conscious choices. To not enunciate. To not enunciate, correct. Then you have seen Taboo. In fact, your review will have run recently. Does he enunciate at all in that? Um, yeah. Okay. I think he does a great job. He, he's, 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 like, beyond Stallone. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean, beyond Stallone? He's better than Stallone. No one's better than Stallone. At enunciating. No one's better than Stallone. At enunciating? About at anything. Really? You're going to put Stallone up in an enunciation contest against, like, Patrick Stewart? Sure. Liz, this goes back to kind of the debate that people have about musicians. And, and it's like, well, sure. Some people sing like Adele, and it's just a privilege to hear the voice itself. But, you know, Bruce Springsteen really has the voice of the people. And sometimes you just need to hear the voice of the people. Both are valuable. Both are important. Let's not try to, you know, picket threads. This is an absurd argument. I don't think it is at all. I feel like I, feel like I could get a I feel like I'm going to have a lot of people on my side when it comes to whether or not Tom Hardy... Can, not Tom Hardy, sorry, Sylvester Stallone can beat Patrick Stewart in an enunciation contest. Well, I mean, first of all, we're not talking about any specific parameters. Second of all, the fact that you had an enunciation problem when you were trying yes. to say enunciation contest is delightful. Thank you. Third, I feel like that's not my worst enunciation mistake on this, on this podcast. Third, the debate itself isn't about anything other than who would you rather hear say words? Who would you rather hear speak and you know what? It's hard for me to imagine anybody I'd rather hear speak than Sylvester Stallone. Okay, well, that's where we just have to agree to disagree. Yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, oh, Patrick Stewart. So good. So good at everything. Yeah, he's not coming to us, though, with the TCAs. His show got canceled. Yeah. Well, and Stars isn't coming at all. That's true. If, if, any Outlander questions uh, or American Gods questions, unfortunately, we will not be able to answer those. Put them on hold. Save them for July. Save them for July. Or probably, I don't know, whenever we get an American Gods opportunity. South by Southwest. Save them for South Save by Southwest. Save them South. for South by. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Ben, what's, like, the one big thing you're looking forward to? Oh, man. That's... <laughs> Uh, I mean, on the spot, you all know what it is. There's no leftovers panel, but any sort of footage or they might show us this all real. Yeah, I'm. I'm. 
I will be on the edge of my seat when HBO Day begins. Um, aside from that, I, I mean, honestly, I'm very excited for Hulu Day. I feel bad mentioning that, you know, considering... It'll already have happened. have happened by the time this is over, and I will either be very proud or very disappointed, but... Uh, but there's just a lot of great programming coming out of Hulu these days. I'm always excited to kind of hear the new stuff. Um, frankly, I'll be curious what the questions are in the big room for the path, but, you know, there's just so much discussion to be had about that show, mm-hmm. as well as The Handmaid's Tale, which is obviously a big, buzzy one coming out of Hulu. Um, Elizabeth Moth is going to be here. I, I, yeah, and, I'm, and, and speaking of one-on-one opportunities... You're looking to speak with people from the path. I've got some stuff set up for Handmaid's Tale. Gonna talk to Ann Dowd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to let me know when that's happening. I might have to swing by. Just to say hey, girl. Just to say hey. I've met her before. You Did you actually interview her in person? Well, I talked to her. I didn't interview her. I met her. Oh, but you met her at a Leftovers at panel. At Emmy's thing, yeah. yeah have, you, have you hugged every member of the Leftovers cast? No, not every member. Who, who's, um, who's, out, oh, who's left out? I mean, Regina King is still out there. That's, that's You just didn't meet her. Like, it's, not that, it's not that Ben isn't a huggable person. It's just that he hasn't met them. You know, I used to be the best hugger you'd ever meet. This is a tangent. But I used to be a professionally good hugger. Like, people would almost pay to get hugged by me because I was that good. Somewhere along the way, I've lost my touch because my friends, they, they sat me down, but... Would you say, like, wait, you, you, they, they sat you down and said, hey, stop hugging so hard? No, 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 they sat me down and there was like, Ben, what's going on with you? Something happened. You're not oh. hugging as well as you used to. And I was like, I don't know, apparently. That's, that's really sad. I've lost a little You're, you're like soul. the Reverend Wayne. You've lost your powers. I know. I feel really bad. And honestly, that, that's another one. I didn't get to hug. hug Patterson Joseph? Yeah, no. Patterson Joseph? No. That's really sad. Because I love him. He's great. And he might be able to restore my power of hugs, which would be equally important. I mean, this is this seems like we've got a goal now, which right. is to track down Patterson Joseph. He'll probably be at a TCA panel eventually, so we can hold on to He's that. in stuff. He's in sure. stuff all the time. He's in Timeless. Thank you. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he might be at the NBC party, so you yeah. have to go to the NBC party. True. Cause when, and then you, then you can get a hug from him, and then everything will be okay. Right. So... To sum up, I'm very excited about HBO Day and, um, I mean, FX Day, obviously, as we mentioned before. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's if you look at our preview for the most anticipated, we pretty much have almost every HBO show that's coming out on we, the list. Because they all sound so good. Yeah, it was kind of shameless, actually. And especially because yeah. one of the things, uh, if you check out our most anticipated list, which we should, we should figure out a way to interconnect with this podcast, um, God... I was just going through going through it and writing my blurbs. Uh, it was just like so many amazing creators are coming to TV. Every, every I was just so excited. Like Mary Heron and Sarah Pauly are teaming up on Alias Grace, um, an adaptation of a Margaret Atwood novel. It's going to be so freaking Canadian, but you're going to love it because it's also... Well, we don't know yet. We haven't seen it. You're so skeptical about Sarah Pauly of I all am. people. I am very skeptical. What have you seen of hers that you didn't like, writing-wise? I don't want to comment. What did you see? Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I need to know now. I'll talk about it off the record. But was it a movie? Yep. So are you just afraid of like people hating you for hating this movie? Yes. Wow. I bet it's the movie about the old people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a safe bet. But 
No, I mean, uh, to get back to our most anticipated list, yes. I honestly thought that I wrote all of the HBO blurbs, and then when I was editing it, I realized that there was like four more. Yeah, I feel. I think half of my, no, no, half of my list was, and that half of my breakup, we, we had 24, Han, our lovely colleague Han, who we should try to, we should try to bring her in maybe for next week, see, uh, see, see. Um, Coordinating people for the, during the TCAs may be difficult, but yeah. Hanwin will definitely be back on the podcast soon. Yes, we definitely want to have her on. Han, if you're listening to this, we don't we we it we, we do love having you on board. So, but no, like the the blurbs. Yes. But the blurbs. So Han took eight, you took eight, I took eight, and half of mine were Netflix. And Netflix is also looking to have a killer year. And As always, they spend enough money for it. Yeah. Um. Uh, but Liz, I mean. So among those in, on the anticipated list, are any of them going to be your highlight of the TCA? Good question. Um, well, it's, it's hard because, again, half of mine were Netflix, and Netflix is famously not here at TCAs. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, Handmaid's Tale, I, I didn't write that blurb, but I'm excited for it. Uh, Legion uh, from FX, that's a show... Um, we have not talked about officially on this podcast never at all. Never, about it. never, never, never once obliquely referred to it. We want to talk about that show that's under embargo ever. Yeah, but it's going to be exciting because um, you know basically Noah Hawley, uh, beloved by all, is having like a double day. He is doing two panels during FX Day. He's doing one for Fargo and one for Legion. And what's hilarious about Fargo, um, I feel like I can say this in a vague sense. They've only just started shooting like now, yeah. and yet they are they are taking a break from year three to come to TCA and tell us a little bit about the show. Ewan McGregor is going to be here, and I am just I am happy about this news, and that is a, I have a completely na- normal re- natural reaction to the fact he will be in this building. The star of Moulin Rouge, right in front of us. Yes, the star of Moulin Rouge, Ben. That's yeah. He's in so many good movies. That's the best one. Hmm. That is my favorite musical of all time. Hmm. I love Moulin Rouge. I, I'm, I'm not fighting you on any of this. I love it. I'm just trying to think what my favorite Ewan McGregor movie is. Perfect Sense. What? Perfect Sense. The, I don't remember this movie. Um, someone, is it one of the ones where he shows his penis? Yes. Someone... <laughs> It is. You had to ruin my punchline, but <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say that someone's blind, someone's Eva Green, and someone shows their penis. And that means that Liz would love this film. I do like Eva Green and when people show their penises. Yeah. Um, remember that great period in the 90s where it's just like, oh, hey, is Ewan McGregor in a movie? Oh, good. Here's his penis. I mean, he's one of the few who's courageous enough to do it. So yeah. So let's applaud that. Yeah. It's all celebrated. Come on. Get it. Get together, people. Oh, God. Was it... Um, I read some story about an actor, and it, I think it's Ewan McGregor, and it explains so much. If it's not Ewan McGregor, I apologize. But he was in a play, um, and this is very early in his career, and he was supposed to pop out nude, except for a like constable's hat, because this was in England, um, over his you know, bits and bobs. And one night he didn't, and he just exposed himself entirely to the audience. And I believe the actor was quoted as saying, I heard the noise the audience made, and it was the greatest noise I'd ever heard in my life, and for the rest of the run, I just did that. That's pretty good. Yeah. No. Um, 
I like that this conversation is segued as it should to Ewan McGregor's penis. You took it straight there. Like it it wasted <laughs> you, no time. You getting were, there. I was you, talking about Moulin Rouge. Doesn't get naked in Moulin Rouge. No, you brought up the movie Perfect Sense. Yeah, it was funny because no, I figured that was your favorite one. Yeah. No, so it was like, it's kind of like you steered us into the curve, and then I just yanked the wheel and drove us into that tree. I tried to gracefully get us to where I knew you were going to take us. It was like, okay, this is either going to slam us straight into it, or we can easily guide into something that actually works as a proper segue, instead of just, well, you know, I mean, you and shows his penis a lot. But he's also a very fine actor who I respect a great deal. He's a great actor. And he's going to be pulling double duty on Fargo right next to the great Carrie Coon. Great. Remember, folks, Ewan McGregor... Ewan McGregor's scenes in the Star Wars prequels are vaguely watchable, which is probably one of the greatest acting feats we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's an inarguable statement. Sure. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, you should definitely um, you should definitely be following us on Twitter to find out more about it. Uh, and also our colleagues Han at Anonymous and Michael Schneider at Franklin Avenue. The entire IndieWire TV team will be tweeting. Up a storm. <sighs> I try to keep it low key. I try to like keep You've it. You've tweeted like six times today. I've tweeted like six times today, but only twice about the TCAs. Seemingly. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, I do... Do say if you've got a question, if you see something that might be on the TCA schedule, feel free to ask us. We will do our best to put it out there into the world, and uh, and then of course tell you what the reaction is. Um, but in the meantime, then I know there's a lot of stuff you had to watch last week. Yeah. But what was the best thing? Um, I'm really torn here because officially the best thing that I watched last week was a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Um, Lemony Snicket's adaptation from Barry Sonnenfeld, who we'll get into this soon enough because I did a nice interview with him where he talked about the specifics of how this all went down. He worked on the original movie. That didn't really work out. He came back because he really, really, really was passionate about the project and made we, this happen at Netflix. Yeah. And it's and great. You, if you, when you think about it, if you basically think about it, like I, I couldn't help but think of uh, The Addams Family and how much I love that movie and its sequel. And Barry Sonnenfeld, of course, was a major part of the, that, that franchise. Uh, he was, but he was just a cinematographer. Around, like, do I have that right? I think he was a cinematographer on The Addams Family. Um, I, could, I, I could be very wrong. I could be making this up. But anyways, if you like The Addams Family, Lemony Snicket, delightful. Yes, I can't support that idea because I don't do you want, do you care want, about the Adams family. But you don't I care do about think, those movies were great. Don't care. Okay. But I do think it's a great show and it's uh, as you can read in our review, I feel it's perfect for the times. Uh, don't want to get into it right now. But But it's good it's good it's good for kids. I feel like it's a it's for the right age group. It's really good for everybody. Yeah. I mean yes, it's specifically great for kids and it should be vastly entertaining from especially like a meta narrative standpoint right. for adults. But Ten, um, you can watch it with your ten year old and feel like you're not being murdered slowly inside. Yeah, the ideal kind of children's entertainment that is also very passable, more than passable, very entertaining for adults. Um, that debuts on Friday on Netflix, all eight episodes. Um, I also would like, in Liz fashion, to tag on one more Go. and talk about Taboo. Uh, <laughs> as mentioned, they're bringing Tom Hardy, Chips Hardy, Ridley Scott, Stephen Knight, everybody, to the TCAs on Thursday. But the show actually premieres on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, on FX. Yes. Um, 
Soon. Very soon. Alarmingly soon. And I f- Maybe too soon. I feel like this is going to be a divisive show. I feel like there's going to be a lot of groups. There's going to be the diehard Tom Hardy nuts who mm-hmm. are going to defend this to the end of end of the earth. Because it's Tom Hardy and that's that what his people do. This is Tom Hardy as a show. Like right. everything you've seen Tom Hardy do before this is like balled up and put into this show that worships Tom Hardy. It is it is about him and he is the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be people who wisely note that the female characters on this are worthless. Um, it is a it is a man's show made for men by white men, and that's the best thing that it does. And they will be right to criticize it for that, but at the same time, it's just, it doesn't care. It's not that show. It is not yeah. trying to be PC. It is not trying to be progressive. It is not trying to be diverse. It is trying to be a show about a guy who wants to kill everybody. And if you look at it from that viewpoint, if you admire that construction of it, it's pretty good. <laughs> like I, I hate... If you're I, committed to the idea of just watching a dude kill a bunch of other dudes. If you relish the idea of someone else seeking justified revenge in the most glorious fashion, then this show gives you that in spades. If you are the kind of person who reads The Count of Monte Cristo and you're like... Man, this guy isn't vengeance enough. This guy needs to have yeah. more vengeance in his heart. If you're like, there's only really one good reason why he wants to seek revenge in The Count of Monte Cristo, I wish there was like 10. <laughs> then you're going to love Tenu. Yeah. And it's a slow burn. Um, a lot like Liz, I know you were a little disappointed with the pilot and that it was too slow for you. And I... I feel like I've read that criticism in like yeah. in people who actually reviewed it. They, they made yeah. the same argument. People, like, people slow. Yeah, people and who... It is. People who, who, whose job actually depended on them watching it um, yeah. had, did not do what I did, which is bow out about halfway through. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's gonna, that's the other side of it. I feel like it'll be very interesting to see how the ratings do, like just the general ratings do right. for it. Because some people, like the general public, even who loves Tom Hardy, may watch this and be like, it's slow. What is, what is well, the point of this? Here like, it- they're building something here. And if you watch and you're actually paying attention to the specifics, if you're not distracted, if you're not trying to do something else, if this isn't just something you have on in the background, like, you want to engage with this thing, even though it's not a deep show, perhaps. Um, <laughs> they're building something here that really pays off. Yeah, I will say, for the record, I sometimes I do, I, I am, a, am, a, am a culprit of distracted viewing. Well, we are. I, I didn't yeah. mean that. No, I no, but, no, but I am going to say, I case. was going to say, even I was, I was actually, like, because I was watching on my iPad, um, actually really focused on it so um I, I try not to i wasn't trying to be no. accusatory i usually am i usually am coming after <laughs> you usually are hard. yeah um but no i i know in general our culture including myself yeah is prey to yeah. being distracted by watching TV. fortunately it's so slow though that you won't miss anything <laughs> well you will well that's the, that's that's my mm-hmm. argument if you don't engage with it you right. will not ex- you will not enjoy the satisfaction that comes with uh, the Vengeance. Right. So, anyway, very long-winded yes. pick for Best of. Liz, yeah. please save us. What's the best thing you watched last week? I still have a little bit more to go on it, but Emerald oh, City... God damn it. Look, <laughs> screw you. I thoroughly enjoy it. Look, I feel like... this, And this is basically kind of the crux of my review. It is weird and silly, and but also emotional, and I think it's got so... It's got layers to it, and it's interesting, and it's smart in its way. And 
I like all the actors and maybe one or two accents are questionable, but we're not going to deal with that. Point is, I would rather watch a million goddamn Emerald Cities than... Half a taboo? No, I'm not. No, I, no, I respect taboo. I respect taboo for what it's trying to do. I'm not mad at taboo. Um, what are you I, mad at, Liz? I'm just going to say, like, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be an NCIS meanie and just, like, one NCIS. A million, ta- million, uh, million Emerald Cities over one NCIS. That's a good comparison. I mean, they're broadcast. They're dramas. Yeah. Accessible to everybody. Yeah. If you're going to pick one, go Emerald City. Go Emerald City. Why not, why not at least engage with something that has, like, real imagination and wit to it? Like, Got that's my point. Ambition. It's, it's trying something. Yeah, it's trying something. For God's sake. When was the last time? I mean, it's like, and... You know, I feel like there are some network shows that I've I've, tr- I've tried to engage with, like Timeless. I really tried to engage with because I felt like it was trying to do this, and I feel like it, it it's gotten some. I, I feel like I need to catch up with it in order to really make this evaluation. But I don't feel like it really committed as hard. Like it's still kind of playing within boundaries. Well, it's torn. To me, it was torn yeah. between committing either way. Like it could either be a very serious drama or it could kind of be a goofy time travel thing and right. it wants to have it both ways and, and that's and, a tough and also, to strike and also play within broadcast sensibilities of which, course, yeah. which which is a, so much going on there and so many confusing like directions but I feel like Emerald City knows what the hell it's doing yeah. um, and feels very complete and whole and whether or not that's because of having a singular director a single director helming the whole thing well, it's because even though it has like multiple creators technically along the way, well, um, I, I mean it's a Wizard of Oz adaptation. Yeah, answer. but it's you know, hey, look if you if you like strong female killer characters, people like <laughs> watch Taboo. Wait, <laughs> watch Taboo. Sorry, I got confused. All right, then what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Liz, the next thing I'm looking forward to is the path, but I know that's not. You're Why you're going to you're you're going right? yeah, but it's um, it's going to be soon. It's late later this month, correct? No, no, no. That's a March show. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the end of March. Okay, uh, I've been I, mean, I could have sworn out. I've had it as January in my head for so long. Unless they bumped it, which would be fine with me. Um, well, I think I think like well because they have other March releases like uh, National Treasure, which is a really interesting miniseries. Uh, I've been watching a little bit of as well. Um, what if the path is coming out like tomorrow? That'd be great. Then everybody could watch it with me. I'd be Beyonce sorry. release. Beyonce of the path. Yes. I mean, they could use the buzz. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, okay. So what's coming out? What do we got in the next? We got what's the next thing you have to review? Uh, one day at a time. But that'll be out before this comes out. Yeah. Norman Lear show. Yeah. Um, this is tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the college football playoff. There you go. I really hope Alabama loses. Are you looking forward to watching the Golden Globes? Um, sure. I feel like we've talked about a lot of shows that are coming up, like that people people will be okay. There's a lot of choices. I mean, technically, Taboo doesn't come out until Tuesday. Lemony Snicket doesn't come out until Friday. Um, yeah. There's there's uh, there is so many. There's so much TV, but no, the Golden Globes. Uh, and I, I, obviously, as you're listening to this, you've already seen it, so you can tell me if I'm right or wrong immediately from hearing it. I'm just not pumped for Jimmy Fallon. I um, did you watch this? There was an interview earlier today about where he talked with Matt with Lauer. Yeah, I read a little bit of that. Um, kind of the poll quotes and stuff, and it still doesn't do much for me. It's it's interesting to me that the framework of the Globes has shifted from kind of a party atmosphere to more of a roast atmosphere, where they're expecting the host 
to go after people. Like they're expecting Which is him. not what you'd normally bring on Jimmy Fallon to do. No, 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 not at all. And and it, it makes sense in the context that they let Ricky Gervais do this, what, three times? Four times? Three times. And, and in a row, I think. And I mean Tina Fey and Amy Poehler definitely had some fun with it, but I didn't feel like their hosting was the same style. It I wasn't think, the same approach. I think I think Tina I think I, I think what it comes down to is this Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were were as uh, were rough at times. They definitely threw some threw some uh, threw some landmines into that in that audience. But the thing I think what's brilliant about them and brilliant about them as a comedy team hosting an award show like this is I think in order to do that sort of roasting, you have to feel like an outsider. You have to come with come at things with an outsider's perspective. And or in, and the th- the thing is they do that, but they do that in a way that's so centered in their feminism that they're coming at the male patriarchy and they are not taking prisoners. Um, and um, you're making your maybe I agree with Liz face, which is different from your I definitely agree with Liz face, but also different from your I don't agree with you face. Um, I don't think you're wrong about the fact that they are they're, they definitely had an agenda to attack the patriarchy and that was something that we all supported. I think it was I think it's it's just more that the difference between them and Gervais is that Gervais is there specifically to ruffle feathers and go after individuals. Right. They are not there to do that. They're there to be funny and be good hosts and, and talk then, about what's going and, on. And along the they're way they're there to call out the appropriate things that need to be called out. They're not there to roast whatever the fuck they feel like roasting. Right. So I mean it's 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 kind of a choice versus like it's kind of a sniper rifle versus a uh, shotgun blast. Right. Um, and, and I don't think, I think Jimmy Fallon's like a pop gun, so I mean, what the heck are we even doing here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, we'll have coverage of that, but in terms of looking forward to Taboo, Lemony Snicket, Golden Globes, Liz, give us something real. Oh, God, you're going to be mad at me. Fuck. What are you doing? I'll show have? you what I've written down. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> are you still upset about the Twitter poll? <laughs> you mean the poll that I'm winning? No, the poll that you're losing horribly. <laughs> What do you mean? Like, I have so many people. It's mostly on Facebook that's the problem for you. No one cares about Michael Vartan. People care about Michael Vartan. No, they don't. They do. No, you lost that poll. I feel like you're you're just you're just projecting. Right you now. have not seen the Facebook responses. Facebook came out in droves to say they support Michael Vartan. No. We are excited for the arrangement. It's going to be great. It's going to be cheesy, beautiful, fun. It is a perfect show to be part of E's first scripted lineup. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to dispute that. Hey, but yes, I have another episode of the arrangement to watch in the next, and it's one of the, it's like it's my special treat episode that I get to watch whenever I finish all the actual work I have to do. Let I, the record show that Liz has finished her cocktail at this point, so she is being driven solely by the booze. Um, ben also has finished his cocktail, and that yeah, is why he's being mean to me. I can handle my whiskey. I don't get mean when I have whiskey. I get a lot of fun. <laughs> oh my god! Next up, gin. Yeah, so, oh, that's not, that's not good. Take me to that party, Liz. All right, yes, we did, in fact. Thank you for listening to us as we enjoyed um, a singular drink here in Pasadena. We will be back next week uh, for more Pasadena TCA fun. Um, thank you for bearing with what is hopefully not inaudible sound quality and also the ringing of the bells that are the elevators. Uh, we will as always, endeavor to find something, a slightly quieter space from which to uh, broadcast. 
Ben is making his. I don't agree with Liz's face right now. <laughs> I don't try that hard, guys. He does not. Um, but uh, you can find everything we're going to be writing about everything that's happening here at IndieWire.com, where you can also find news, reviews, interviews, and features. Make sure you listen to all of our podcasts, including Screen Talk. The Oscar season is in full swing. And turn it on with our own Michael Schneider, who will be reporting live again from the TCAs. Guys, we are looking at peak Anne and Eric right now for, for on-screen talk. This is this is their time. This is what they live for. I mean, especially Anne. I mean, well, no, you're right, because Sundance is here, too. So oh, Anne, yeah. Anne and Eric, their powers united. Yes, it's a beautiful time for them, and so you should enjoy that. Uh, you can also enjoy Ben's Twitter feed at Ben T. Travers. And when you need a respite from that god-awful wreck, please visit <laughs> Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Took a moment there, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't know how to yeah, transition, the, and then I was like, "Well, I'll just you, go you only say you've only said that like ninety four times." I don't say it like that. I say like, you know, make sure you visit Liz's Twitter account. That's Lizlet with an I and then an E. There this you time go. I like you, you I got tried something different. You never want to do anything different. You want to repeat your pattern. Exactly at all times. Never change. Never do anything unique or revolutionary. Go Cubs. Yeah, that's our advice for twenty seventeen. Um, but <laughs> please don't take it. Please keep listening. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, as always, keep watching television.